Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. That's our fellowship, Lord, and thank you. We don't want to take these times for granted. It's a favor you are granting us. It's your mercy you are showing on us. Lord, we thank you. We just ask that you speak to us, um, challenge our hearts afresh. Um, we pray that your word will be alive in us. It will refresh us. It will uphold us. It will also challenge us into more obedience. Lord, we thank you. You know, as your word comes, we are praying that you grant us fresh understanding, grant us insight, so that we can live the life of Jesus, so that we can bear his light, even in this dark world. Thank you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So by God's grace, um, we will, let me, Michael, are you recording? Yes. Thank you. So by God's grace, we want to start off this evening by just, we want to push further a bit more on the matter of um, prayer. Ojone, you're welcome. So we want to start off or continue our studies on the matter of prayer. Um, I don't know if you remember last time, last week when we studied the Word of God, we were looking at how Jesus prayed. And we saw specifically there are some things Jesus did. Number one, he he separated himself. He, we normally go to the mountain to pray. He will set himself apart to pray. Those are some of the things he did. Um, he also would, if you remember, he took his disciples along with him to go and pray. But even within that, he separated it. It's, it the Bible said he went a stone's throw to concentrate and face God in the place of prayer. And I remember we challenged ourselves that if Jesus, um, Liam, do you mind, please? Because we are yeah. on our ground, just mute yourself. I want you to mute yourself. Mute yourself. Mute yourself. Yes, exactly. Thanks. So we we remembered that we reminded ourselves that if Jesus, the all-powerful Jesus, the anointed Jesus, who lived as a human being on earth, still gave time to prayer, took prayer very serious, what, what about us? How much more us? You know, we, we are still we still need God in our lives. And so we cannot underestimate prayer. Jesus was going to the cross. And one of the very few things he did towards the end of his life was to pray. He needed the strength. He needed the grace of God. He needed, the, 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 he needed to put his own will under so that he can do the, 
will of God. All this he did in the place of prayer. So we don't have an option. We don't have any excuse in that sense not to pray. We need it. And beloved brethren, it's a great privilege we have to be able to talk to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Almighty God. It's a great privilege to be able to converse with him and come to the place of prayer. And like I said, we challenged ourselves last week on those points. And by God's grace, this week, we just want to push further again and look at this still on this matter of prayer and see if we can learn some specific, much more specific instructions on how to pray and how, how to go about it. But if you remember, I just want to lay this point down. If you remember, the disciples never asked Jesus to teach them how to preach. The disciples never asked Jesus to teach them how to how to prepare a sermon. But one request they made from Jesus is teach us how to pray. You know, the question is why why was it their request? It's very straightforward. They kept seeing Jesus praying. Prayer was his lifestyle. The scripture we read last time in Luke 22. Maybe we should go there. Luke chapter 22. Um, you are welcome. So, Luke 22. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Yes. So, um, Luke 22, if you look, maybe, sorry, I, I've not opened it myself. <laughs> Yes. So, in Luke 22, if you look at, we read it last week, we just want to refresh our minds before we move on. The Bible said in verse 39, I'll just read that, that first verse. The Bible says, coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed. And his disciples also followed him. Verse 40, verse 40. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. So, Jesus would normally go to Mount Olives. He would normally go there to spend time. And I don't think Jesus went there to go and do sightseeing. I don't think Jesus went there to go and just enjoy the fresh air. That's not just the reason why he was always going to Mount Olives. The Bible said he went there on this occasion to go and pray. We can see it from his discussion with the disciples. And the Bible said this was his custom. This is what he normally did. Another translation says, as was his habit. So, beloved, I think one big lesson we can learn from from the life of Jesus here is that we should make prayer a habit. We should make it a lifestyle. We should make prayer a a way of life. 
we should not just make prayer as only something we do when we are in trouble or when we need help yes when we need help of course we should pray but it should not just be that there should be it should be a lifestyle for us and i'm praying that the god in his mercy will help us that will not make it this will not just be a religious practice just for tick box no it will be a lifestyle something you do and you you are whole wholeheartedly committed to now today we just want to explore further like i said on the matter of prayer so let's open our bibles to matthew chapter 6 matthew 6 we want to explore like i said the matter of prayer matthew 6 we are going to read just read from verse 5 this is still on the issue of prayer or oh, just forgive me maybe we'll start from verse 1 just to have a context of what jesus was talking about here so matthew chapter 6 from verse 1 to verse um let's take it to verse 7 matthew 6 from verse 1 to verse 7 salido family you're welcome can one of you read for us, Matthew, Matthew 6. Don't worry, I like calling on you guys because you are very faithful. That's why. Uh, 1 to 7, was it? Matthew 6. Yeah, 1 to 7. Uh, From 1 to 7, yes, thank you. Watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. You will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to the acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give some when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. So I can't really hear um, the Bible reading. Okay. Um, we can't hear. No, we can't really hear what they're saying now. Okay. Um, do you mind moving close to the computer? Exactly. Alright. Yes. Uh, do you want me to start again? Um, yes, start again if you don't mind, please. Thank you. Watch out. Don't do your good, deed, your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. You will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to the acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go by, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and do, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers will be answered merely by repeating their words again and again. 
because God does understand it as you study this scripture together. Now, I just if you if you will take note, this scripture was um, this what we read here was part of a teaching that Jesus gave on the mount. If you start reading from chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus went up the mountain and the Bible said, the Bible said, when he saw the multitude, he went up the mountain in chapter 5, verse 1. And then his disciples came up to him. And he now taught them. And that's when he started teaching them the Beatitudes. When he finished the Beatitudes, he continued teaching them. So this is part of a long sermon, as it were, or series of teachings on various issues. And Jesus was teaching about how to do good, how to how to do charitable, charitable deeds. And then he went into, into the matter of prayer. So the first thing you notice here, in that chapter, in verse 1 of Matthew 6, we read, was, look at what Jesus said. He said, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Wonderful. This is a very heavy, a very, very heavy um, instruction. Because it's almost natural. It's all. It's like a default position. That when people want to help people, they don't do it quietly. Most times. The Bible is telling, telling us here, take heed. And what does take heed mean? Be warned. That's what Jesus was saying. Be warned. Um, amplified. Said, take care not to do your good deeds publicly or before men. So the motive behind doing good deeds must not be for men to see. It wasn't. Or else we will lose the reward. Can you imagine? You've done this wonderful, you've given some people money for a particular need they have and you pasted it fully on facebook you have lost your reward already those people might come and thank you so much and you know do a lot of thanks some of them might even um do give you also paste something in the news for what you've done which is good but unfortunately the Bible is saying here, you have no reward from your father in heaven. Can you imagine? You've done some great work, eh? And they give you an award. And what's the award, please? They, <laughs> they give you, maybe you've helped somebody who needed money. Eh? And then you purposefully did it in such a way that they, people will see it. And then they give you the award. And what's the award? Most times, award is wood. It's one plaque. Isn't it? They'll give you a plaque, lovely plaque. They'll design it. Can you imagine comparing that wooden plaque 
So the great reward you'll be missing in heaven. So when we do good things, let's not do it with the motive and intention that people will see. Just do it as unto your father in heaven. Look at the analogy Jesus gave there. He said, when you do charitable deeds, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they might have glory for men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do it, so this is the issue here. When you do it, the Bible is saying, sorry, I just want to answer this quickly. Um, somebody has just bear with me. I'm receiving a chat message here. Well, I have um, No. We are recording. We are recording it. It's being recorded. So let me just continue. Um, the like I was saying, what Jesus was not telling us how to do charitable deeds is when you do it, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, and that's very symbolic. Meaning that if your left hand is giving money, your right hand should not even know that that money is being given. What does he say? He's saying, let your charitable charitable deed, let your good works be done in secret. That's what the scripture says in verse 4. That your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Now, the reason why I started talking about the issue of charitable deeds and doing things in secret is because God wants us to be conscious of the fact that he's a God in the secret. God, I know our God is almighty. He knows everything. And he is everywhere. But it is good we carry a consciousness that our God is a God in the secret place. Let's establish it from the rest of that scripture. Now, verse 5 of Matthew 6 says, And when you pray, you, sh you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you, but you, when you pray, go into your room and, um, excuse me, let me just reduce my own noise interference here. Just bear with me.
sorry about that. So, like I was saying, um, Jesus was being very particular on the matter of prayer. And he, he gave us some principles on how we should approach the matter of prayer. And verse 5 is making it clear. He said, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites who love to pray standing in the synagogues and the corner of streets so that they will be seen by men. Jesus is saying, your prayer is not for men to see. It is not a matter of the open. I think I mentioned it last week. I've seen it on YouTube several times. Where you see people, they are praying. They are filming themselves. <laughs> they are filming themselves praying. And they are shaking their head and they are praying. All for YouTube. And I'm asking myself, this is not the principle. I've seen Jesus lay on the matter of prayer. You don't pray so that men will see you and say, mm, it's a spiritual brother, it's a spiritual sister. When you pray, the Bible is saying, don't do it like how hypocrites pray. They are praying for the sole reason for men to see them and appreciate them and give them accolade and say, yes, that brother, that sister is a prayer warrior. Prayer warriors actually, honestly, you don't see them. Let's keep reading. Look at what Jesus said. I tell you, assuredly, they have their reward. Now, we are not going to expound on that any further. I want us to look at what Jesus told us to do so that we will do it. That's more important. Look at what he said in verse 6, which is the anchor of what we are, what we are saying. He says, but you. He was talking to you, talking to me, disciples, people who are following Jesus. When you pray, what, what should you do? Go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in, in the secret place. Let's take, take note of that. When you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father. And where is your father, please? Who is in the secret place? So, the God you are praying to, He is in the secret place too. I know, when we pray, we have this mentality that, yes, God is in heaven, far away. Look at what the Bible is telling us. God is in the secret place. That is, you know, when I read it, it opened my eyes again to appreciate that God He's actually in the secret place. I know, and there's nothing wrong with that thinking. That, oh, God is in heaven, far away. No, he is there with you. I want to, I, I pray we appreciate that. That he's in the secret place. God is not only the God of the open. He is actually in the secret place. He sees the secret. That's why we can't hide from him. The very secret things you do is open to him. God doesn't need one spirit to come and tell him what you are doing in the secret place. This is it. 
God sees the internal intents of your heart. Our God is a God in the secret place. That's why we cannot afford to be doing things in secret and we think because other people don't see, God is not aware. He is in the secret place. Now, on the matter of prayer, since that is where our God is in the secret place, let us meet him in the secret place. Let's engage with him in the secret place. Do you know even this teaching, this teaching that Jesus was giving, Jesus was not giving it to a crowd. He was giving it to his disciples on the mountain. Because you see, the crowd, the multitude, would not follow Jesus up the mountain. Multitudes, people who are just drifting and looking for excitement. They don't usually follow Jesus to the mountain. When it's time for miracle and healing and provision, yes, they are there. When it's time for bread, of course, they are there. But when it comes to getting deep instructions that will benefit your life, the crowd, they will say, ah, Jesus is going up the mountain. No, no, no. We will stay here. He will always come down. <laughs> we'll wait for him here. You understand? So we see here that on the matter of prayer, is meant to be in the secret place. You don't, and do you know, it, it might not even, I know the Bible is talking about go to your room, seclude yourself, but also, I hope you know that when you pray, you don't even need, I'm not saying you shouldn't open your mouth and vocalize your words, but if you are in a meeting, for instance, in, the, in your place of work, and there is there needs to be a decision there is nothing wrong you can pray in the secret place of your heart and God will hear you honestly you don't need to get up in the meeting and shout oh Jesus help me here I need a decision now you don't need to do that you can pray in your heart and God hears oh let me show you something do you remember Nehemiah? Let's go to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1. No, sorry. Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah had just received bad news about Jerusalem. He had received very bad news about his home country. Now, and he was burdened with that news. Nehemiah was the king's cup bearer. They were in exile. And he received bad news that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. The whole place was desolate. And God, you know, he prayed and God burdened him. He asked for forgiveness and he was looking at how can he go and help rebuild the broken walls. Now, where I'm, where I, the reason why I'm saying this is because if you look at Nehemiah chapter 2, he was the king, king cup bearer, and he was, his countenance was down. So the king asked him in verse 2 of Nehemiah chapter 2, 
Therefore, the king said to me, Why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadful and afraid and said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city and the place of my father's tombs lies waste and his gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, What do you request? And look at what happened. So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tomb, that I may rebuild it. Nehemiah answered the king after prayer. Now, I think there's a translation. Let me just look for it. In verse, that same chapter, is the same chapter 2, when in verse 4, 2 4. Just bear with me, I'm trying to get that translation. Um, yes. Okay, the New Living Translation says, the king asked, well, how can I help you? And as the king asked that question, the Bible says, with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied. Do you see the speed with which Nehemiah answered the king? But he answered the king after prayer. The Bible did not give us the impression that Nehemiah went somewhere and prayed first before answering the king. While the king was talking to him, he was praying in his heart. I read the translation, I may be wrong, but I read the translation that says, with a quick prayer to God in the heart, he replied. So, let us carry the heart that prays. And remember, your heart is secret. Nobody sees your heart. So when the Bible says, God, who is in the secret place, so the eyes of the Lord is even in the secret place. His presence is in the secret place. So we have no option but to make sure our secret place is alive. Our secret place must be alive. Our secret place must be vibrant. Let it not be that when God is looking for you, your secret place is empty. When God is, is wanting to engage with you, when you normally should meet with Him in prayer, you are not there. So, if you look at that scripture, going back to Matthew chapter 6, let's go back there. Matthew 6. The Bible says in verse um, 6. Um, I had to Matthew 6, um, verse 8. Yes? Yeah. Thank you. Be not yet, therefore, right unto. Leah, the, can you reduce your volume, please? Yeah. Put it up again. Yeah. The joy of whatever you spend the next eight weeks kind of living in fear of will it work or. Right. It says here. 
in SI sent P not yet therefore I am to for your father knows what things yet is about the Lord's Prayer, which is very good. Um, if you if we go to verse um, 6, the Bible said, when you pray, go to your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father, who is in the secret place. And your father, who sees yeah. in the secret, will reward you openly. So, God sees in secret. Because he's a God of the secret, he stays in the secret place as well, he's there, and he sees in secret. So, the very 
intentions of your heart when you pray, the very motive of your heart when you, when you pray, God sees it. Your disposition, your reason for praying, God sees everything. That's why, I don't know if you remember that scripture in James, that said, you, you ask and you do not receive. Why? Because what you are asking for, you want to consume it on your loss. It's for selfish reasons. It's for things that will benefit you. I've heard so many types of prayers before. Somebody goes to somebody's big house and he puts his hand on the wall of the house and says, Lord, I claim this house. What are you claiming the house for? It's not your own. <laughs> you know, so these kind of things, it's very strange. It's not the word of God. The very motive of our hearts, I hope you know that God sees it. If you are praying to God, oh God, I want to have a car. And your heart, you are praying so that you use the car to show off. You use the car. You want to impress people. And you say, yes, I need the car so that I can show I've arrived. What does that mean? Is it not for selfish reasons? So, what God is challenging us about is not just the place of prayer, being in the secret, in your room, secluded, but also the secret place of your heart should be correct for us to pray effectively. So, the Bible is saying in verse 8, sorry, in verse 7, apart from the fact that God sees in secret, the Bible says He will reward you openly. That is the great thing about God. We might think that because God is in secret, He sees in secret, He wants you to do your good things in secret, that means your reward will be in secret. Let me tell you, the Bible doesn't say that. He will reward you openly. It's an open reward. That is how God operates. Yes, He wants you to do things in secret so that you don't show off, so that you don't make a point to people. But when your reward comes, that reward is in the open. So there are some things people do now, and you know, and you are even starting from here, not just in heaven, starting from here. God blesses them. I am wondering, ah, this brother is blessed, this sister is blessed, they are doing well, and God is helping them. And you are thinking, where did they get it from? It's because God, maybe God is rewarding them openly for the things they have been doing in secret, for what they have been, what they have, they have obeyed God in the secret. They are faithfulness to God, they are following Him, and, and being faithful to Him. Not everybody sees it. But when the reward comes, the reward is in the open. That's what Scripture says. It's not me. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. And verse 7 now says, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the hidden do. You know, there is this, there is this, um, there is, it's a, I think it's, it's obviously, it's a, it's a human thing. It's also the human nature trying to impress with physical things that it is by my, my, my shaking my head, it's by my, um, giving long prayers and repeating myself several times. That's how God hears. Look at the scripture, verse 7. It says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the hidden do. Look at what the Bible calls it. Vain repetitions. You pray with words you do not mean. They are vain. 
The Bible is saying we shouldn't do that. Don't do it like people. They just talk and they don't mean what they say. You are asking God, you are telling God, Oh God, if you give me this, I will serve you. And deep in your heart, you know you are not saying the truth. God, if you can just help my cousin who is not feeling fine, Lord, I will I will I will follow you and I will increase my commitment to you. Deep in your heart, you know you are just praying for the sake of feeling good. You don't mean what you say. God is saying we should be weary, we should be we should be careful about vain repetitions. Now he's saying for they think, look at that the next part of that verse. It says for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do you know the great thing about God is that even when you have not uttered the words, <laughs> God knows what you are going to ask. Look at verse 8, and God, uh, the Bible ex explains that. It says, therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask. That's God. God just wants us to pray. You know, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. It's not that God doesn't know what you need. He knows, but he wants you to be, to partake of that prayer being answered. He wants you to partner with him. That's why he's actually telling you to ask. If you remember the story of the two prodigal sons, do you remember? Sorry, I call them the two prodigal sons because both of them were prodigal actually. The one that went off to, 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 to go and waste his father's goods, he asked for his inheritance. The other one did not ask. So, the one that asked received. The one that did not ask didn't receive anything. And that teaches me, too, personally, that when there is a need, I should ask. That's the place of prayer. That's what God wants. He's not telling us to ask so that we can, we can just feel good. No. He wants us to ask because He wants me and you to be partners in our relationship with him. He wants you to understand that he's a father. And as a father, he 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 is part of his responsibility to provide for you. But also as a son, as a daughter, you should be part of the relationship. You are in you have an interest, you have a vested interest in your relationship with your heavenly father. And that's why he wants you to ask. So these are quiet principles. Principle of um, um, praying in the secret, both physically and also in your heart. Principles of praying so that you are not praying for outward show. You don't want, you are not doing it for men. You are doing it as unto the Lord. It's so important we appreciate this because the Bible is showing us that our Father is a God that sees in the secret. You know, and also this principle of knowing that when we speak to God, we should mean everything we are saying. Let's not just talk as if we are parrots. We are not parrots. God wants us to mean everything we are saying. 
let it be wholeheartedly um let it be a wholehearted commitment and we value the words because god is hearing and you know and the lord is telling us don't do it thinking that is from your many words you will be heard before you even ask the lord knows and i'm praying that god will help us god will give us um a god will refresh our prayer lives through these principles so that as we apply it to our lives god who sees in secret will reward you will reward us openly may god give us more understanding as we pursue our relationship with god and make it more vibrant more vibrant in the face of prayer now let's let me just buttress this point with an example of somebody we know in scriptures so let's go to first kings chapter 17 remember we talked about elijah last time we just want to look at his own example first kings chapter 17 you will see that elijah went to do something in with the king of ahab first kings chapter 17 elijah wanted the consciousness of god to return to the people of israel now i will read from verse 1 and verse let me i'll just read verse 1 actually the bible says first king 17 the bible says and elijah the tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And beloved brethren, you know the you, you know you know the end of that story. There was no rain for those years. Now Elijah just went straight to Ahab and told him that. Now, we may think that was just it. Elijah just got up and talked, isn't it? But remember this scripture we read last week? Do we remember in James? When we're talking about the matter of prayer. Um... Was it about the prayer of a righteous person? Yes. And how it's like powerful and effective? Yes. Yeah. James chapter 5, isn't it? So, let's go to verse, verse 16. So, Abigail, please read verse 16, verse 17 for me, and verse 18. James 5, verse 16 to 18. Okay. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other 
so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Do you, do you see something there? When the scripture was being recorded in 1 Kings 17, the Bible did not tell us that he prayed before he went to Ahab's place. Do you notice? It didn't, the Bible did not tell us then. We are having an inside backup story that in verse 17, the Bible says Elijah was a man like, like, of, of, like nature like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Elijah prayed. He didn't just go. You see, when you read First Kings 17, you just think, when well, this man just got up and went to tell Ahab. No! He did not he did not go to Ahab just like that. He had already prayed. He received confirmation in the place of prayer with God that there will be no rain. He couldn't have just gotten up to go and pronounce something when he has not prayed. Do you see the dynamics of how God works? Elijah went and made the pronouncement in First Kings 17. But look at the backup story. Look at the secret place story of that open declaration. There was a secret backup, a secret place story before an open declaration. So on the in the open, it looks as if Elijah was a powerful man, isn't it? It looks as if ah, if Elijah talks, things will happen. But he was a man of prayer. The Bible said he prayed earnestly. He prayed with his whole heart, asking God, Oh God, how are we going to bring this country to know you? Lord, give us a sign. Let these people know that you are a God of heaven. You are the God of heaven. Let these people return to you. He prayed earnestly. And it was as if he received a confirmation from God that don't worry, what you talked about, I'm going to do it. Now, go, go and talk to Ahab. And the Bible said he prayed. And he did not rain for three years and six months. Now, verse 18 tells us of what happened in the following chapter. The following chapter in First Kings. The Bible said in verse 18 here, it said he prayed again. Should we go and check? Let's go and check First Kings and see how he prayed again. Because the Bible recorded that one for us. Let's go. First Kings. We go to First Kings um, nineteen now. No, it's eighteen. Sorry. And he prayed again, and the heaven and rain and the for her fruit. Now, we are looking at First Kings 18. Let's read from verse... I'll read from verse 41. First Kings 18, from verse 41. Um, the Bible said... Sorry, I'm trying to get... Yes. 
The Bible said, Then Ahab, sorry, then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Camel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up, go up now, look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he, he, he said, Go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out from the sea. So he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariots and go down before the rain stops you. I'll stop there. Let me read verse 5. Now, it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Do you see the process? Elijah did not just get up and talk. He prayed. In that verse, we read it in verse um, 43. He told the servant, go up now and look toward the sea. He looked and there was nothing. But before he was, before that, he, the Bible said he knelt down and put his face in between his knees. What was he doing? He was praying. And excuse me, look at the Bible. Where was Elijah praying, please? On top of Mount Carmel. Where was Jesus praying? On Mount Olives. Do you see, do you see consistency? Do you see that the principle of God's word from the Old Testament, even into the New Testament, has not changed? On this matter of prayer. On the mountain. Mountain meaning secret place. Mountain meaning separation. No distraction. We see it in the life of Elijah. A human being like me and you. A man of like passion. So even if you want to say, oh, you know, it's Jesus. Uh, yes, we agree. But... This principle is consistent through scripture. So, I also stop. It's just to highlight that God will help us. That's the prayer point for us now. That we'll be challenged to, to be serious in, in the prayer, even in the secret place. Secret place of our hearts and even settling ourselves to take time to pray. This is very important. And I trust that as we as we embrace this instruction, we will not just hear it, but we will make it practical. It will be real. It will be something that we are doing, and it becomes our lifestyle, like Jesus. It was his habit to pray. May the Lord help us. So we'll stop here. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we will go to our uh, prayer request. Uh Come and join Pastor George's Bible study at 8 p.m. 